The Mac Observer is a Mac Geek Gab episode 569 for Tuesday, September 8th, 2015. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab show where you send in questions, we provide answers. It's kind of like car talk for Apple geeks, except we're still making the show, and that's a good thing. Today, the goal is to learn at least four new things. I know, that's higher than some shows. Wow, you're raising the bar? You're I raised the bar? I did. Yeah, I'm raising the bar. You asked me about that first. Uh, I don't know. No, you know I, I concur. Four is good. Actually, four, four is one of my lucky numbers, so I'm, that's I'm right. good with that. All right, cool. Sponsors for this show include, or for this episode, I should say, include... Smile at smilesoftware.com slash geek. Coupon code geek gets you 20% off of software at the Smile store this month and half of next. We'll talk more about that shortly here. Linda at lynda.com slash mgg and also Squarespace at squarespace.com slash mgg. We'll talk all about that in a moment here, back here in Durham, New Hampshire. Yet again, seems like I've been traveling a ton. I'm Dave. uh, (laughs) Who am I? I'm Dave Hamilton. That's who I am. And here in post Labor Day, Fairfield, Connecticut, which now means that the riffraff can park on the street. All right. Um, without a permit. Uh, this is, uh, they're not all riffraff, but some are, I'm sure. Um, this is John F. Braun. How you doing today, John F. Braun? Good. Yeah. Good. So, um, yeah, we, we have this in our community and I'm sure many do, but yeah, if you have the magic sticker as a resident, you can park near the, uh, you're the beach. Sure. Uh, otherwise, they, they tow your butt. Yep. Um, and that, that time has passed. And I was at a nice little family event. I think uh, you, uh, you went on a little, uh, little uh, journey and, uh, and, and have some... I modified myself some, on this journey. Yeah, some news that, that <laughs> concerned many of us, uh, if we follow you on, on social media. So uh, um, well, How are you, my friend? Uh, you're, 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 you're able to speak. Uh, I, am. I hear you. Um, though I think some of your other abilities may be uh, curtailed for yeah. a brief time. So we went to family camp for our seventh year in a row. Uh, we go up to Camp Huckins, which is here in, in New Hampshire. And it's a, all year long. I think I've talked about this, but briefly, it's a, it's a girls camp all year long. And then uh, on Labor Day, they do a family camp. So we live in the cabins that the campers would live in. It's just our family, you know, the four of us in one cabin. Uh, And there's a bunch of other families. There were about 175 people, I think. And, you know, you do all the stuff that you would do at camp. You eat the camp food. You you do, you know, arts and crafts. You do kayaking. You, you know, you you sail. You make s'mores at the fire. Absolutely. I brought my guitar. We all kind of passed it around and played songs at the campfire, that sort of thing. And every year, uh, as it's come to be a tradition at family camp, there was a touch football game. And it's it's really friendly and, and you know, fun. And so, of course, I played. And I went up to make a catch that was for a ball that was overthrown. And I jumped and still missed the ball because it was much higher than I was. And so as I'm coming down, I looked and I'm like, all right, good. I got this landing. I'm going to be okay. And then this little kid, he couldn't possibly have pushed me any lighter than he did. Uh, but he thought maybe I caught it. And so he was going to tap me just in case, you know, cause why not? You got to tag the guy. Otherwise he runs away. 
And that was that little tap was like the the straw that broke the camel's back. And it just pushed me enough so that I, I lost my balance and I, I fell backwards. Now, I was smart. I didn't put my hand right down because you're not supposed to. But I fell hard on my butt. Actually went back and hit my head. Thankfully, no concussion. But somehow I rolled onto my wrist. And my, I think my watch, I wasn't wearing my Apple watch, but, I, you know, one of my other watches, it, I think it caught like on the ground or something. And it, like the face of it had dirt in it. So that sort of made me think that, yeah. Um, but it, anyway, it rolled the wrist. I continued. I finished the game. My wrist wasn't quite right. It got a lot worse. It swelled up. But um, and so it's been I had it x-rayed yesterday. But the first thing I did at camp and this is there, here's a tip for you. Go and get yourselves 128 hertz low C tuning fork. 128 hertz is low C, so they are synonymous. But you don't want to get a high C. You don't want to get a 256. You want to get a 128, right? And uh, 128 hertz low C, the way you, you can test for broken bones with this. It, it's a field test. Obviously, it's not meant to replace an x-ray, although in, at times it's more accurate than an x-ray for, for very you know thin fractures that an x-ray won't show you. Uh, but I took that tuning fork. What you do is first you poke yourself with the tuning fork that's not vibrating so that you get a feel for what sort of pain normal palpation uh, in, incurs. And then you get that thing ringing and you put the base of it against a bone. And you can tell if it's broken by the amplitude of the patient's scream um, or the speed at which the patient, patient's fist is is flying at you. Because it will cause a great deal of searing pain if, in fact, there is a break. So is this like a resonant frequency? Bingo. Kinda? That's exactly okay, so the right. Frequency that the, so the frequency that this fork generates is one that will cause pain if you have a broken bone. You got it. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we traveled. I, I have never broken a bone in my life. I have. I think I bruised a rib, but I've never yeah. broken a bone. So. I, broke a, I broke a rib and I broke a toe. And I don't think I broke a wrist because I tested everything. And it was, I mean, it's, listen. My wrist is sprained and it's sprained badly. There's no question about that. But uh, but I tested everything and, and there was nothing. Obviously, it swelled up and, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, but yesterday I went and got an x-ray and the x-ray showed nothing. But there is one bone in the wrist that they say is it's called the scaphoid that they're they're always worried about and it won't ever show up on an x-ray. But it is one that I even not knowing that it was the problematic one. I, I tested that one, too. And there's no there was no problem with it. But uh you know, I went to one of these these uh, quick emergency clinics because that's what's open for an x-ray on Labor Day when we got home. And uh, and they said, well, it's definitely sprained and we're going to say it's broken so that uh, our, we're covered, but uh, you need to see an orthopedist. And it's like, awesome. So basically what you're telling me is the same thing a three-year-old kid at camp said, well, looks like it's sprained, might be broken, you should see a doctor. Um, but that's so I'm going to see an orthopedist later this week and, and sort it all out. But it's um, it's sore. As you might imagine, <laughs> but uh, it's all right. I'm I'm okay. I'll I'll make it through the show. I've got it in a in a brace, um, just to keep me from doing something stupid with it. But if I'm just sitting and doing nothing, then I will. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. are, you, are you taking any sort of anti-inflammatory? Uh... Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I've I've been taking Advil and stuff, which I had at camp with me. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I hope, uh, yeah, I've had my bumps and bruises, uh, throughout life. Uh, but yeah, as we, we get older, which, uh, not saying you're old, but no. I am older than I used to be though. <laughs> as, as are we. 
So, uh, yeah, that's too bad. Now, did you have a talk with this little, uh, little, uh, you know, little person that kind of got in your way or, he uh, felt so bad and it's totally, cause he basically, he, 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 yeah. He, yeah, no, you're playing the game, right? Yeah, it's right. the risk you got to take. So maybe, maybe you need to wear more protective equipment the next time you play touch, uh, touch football I'm, or something, right? Yeah. Well, so <laughs> my, the problem is my family has this vision that I, I hurt myself every year at family camp and it's simply not true. Uh, it, I mean, I have hurt myself twice there once obviously this weekend so there's one and then about five years ago i broke a rib playing capture the flag i was chasing this little girl uh and trying to tag her because she was running with the flag you know and so i dove to tag her and i uh i got her and after i tagged her i kind of looked behind me and saw my feet were like you know about six feet behind my head. And there was no chance of those feet getting underneath me before the ground rose up and got me. So uh, I did what you're supposed to do. I tucked. I didn't put my, my wrist down cause I don't want to break my wrist, you know? And I tucked. And the problem was I landed elbow first and that popped a rib open, uh, not open. I mean, it wasn't an open wound, but it, it, it cracked my rib. And so I had to live for three days at family camp with a, with a cracked rib, which if you've ever if you've ever had one of those, man, that's it's painful to breathe. But that's the only other injury I've had uh, at, at family camp, other than just being sore because I run around like a maniac because I act my shoe size at camp, not my age. And so thirteen works. You know, it's good. Anyway, that's where we're at. Should we go to Larry here, John? Might as well. We might as well. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Larry writes, I have extended my network to a far corner of my house with power line extenders at their that at their source feed directly off of my airport extreme. At the far end, I have plugged in another airport extreme into the other power line via Ethernet cables. I have attached a number of devices, but with only three available ports on my airport extreme, I do not have enough access points. I'm running video and audio and would prefer to be wired rather than wireless. So I bought another router, a TP-Link TLR860, which has eight Ethernet ports, more than enough. When I'm using the Airport Extreme at the far end to access my network, the world is my oyster and I can access the internet and my local devices on my network like other computers and such. But when I'm using the TP-Link router, although I can access the internet, I cannot access anything else on my network. It seems weird that I can get outside via the Airport Extreme, but can't get anything that's connected directly to that device internally. Is it like my main router isn't permitting access? Okay. Well, it is like that, but it's a little more complicated. So here's well, the thing. To, to crystallize, though, I, I want to try to, yeah, please to do. crystallize this. We have a situation where we have two routers on the network. Correct. I think that's the... And that's the source of uh, not the problem. Well, problem. Yes. Yeah. yeah we're we're going to say it's a problem. Yeah. But, um, but having multiple routers on a network um, brings up certain challenges, which Dave, you are going to help us solve. That's right. So you're right. The, the problem is that there's two devices, both acting as routers. They don't have to be though. Your TP link router that, that will call the extension device should not be acting as a router. What's happening is it's getting the connection from your airport extreme. And then just like your airport extreme is with the cable modems connection, the TP link is then creating its own subnet, its own network from the airport extremes connection. And so the things that are on the TP links network 
can't see the things that are on the airport extremes network because they're not equal in the hierarchy. They're one level up and it's just not going to let you see them. So at least not easily you could, but, but it's not going to happen by default. The easiest thing to do is to turn your TP link router into what's called an access point. So turning off its routing functionality so that all it's doing is taking the network that's been created by the airport extreme and extending that uh, or bridging that, I guess is a better way to say it. So I don't have a TP link router here. I don't know their terminology, but there's a couple of, and, and so we'll, we'll kind of homogenize the advice for, for anyone. There's a couple of different terms that are used to describe this. And we've already used some changing it from a, being a router to an access point is one Buffalo definitely uses that Netgear uses that terminology router versus access point. Uh, Apple uses something called bridge mode. That that's that means the same thing. It's not being a router anymore. It's just being a bridge to the network. Also, some routers don't even have a specific mode, but what you would do is turn off two things. You'd turn off NAT routing, NAT, network address translation. You turn that off and also turn off the DHCP server that stops the device from uh, handing out its own IP addresses and then will hand out addresses from the main router, which is your airport extreme. So whatever TP link or, or your router brand, I mean, it, again, you know, this advice is for everybody. Whatever your router brand is calling it, you want to sort of dumb down that TP link device and turn off a bunch of its functionality so that it just lets traffic pass through. And then everybody's equal on the same level of the network, as opposed to building a tiered network, which is what happens when it's in router mode, which is, of course, it's default because that's what you'd want it to be. in if you just plug directly into your cable mode, does that make sense? Did I get that right, John? Did I miss anything? <sighs> I think we're on the same page. So okay. the thing is, yeah, you don't want to have multiple devices. Yeah, as you said, if you have multiple devices acting as routers, then one of them potentially could create its own little world or subnet, I, I guess. That's a nice way to say it. Yeah, it creates, put it. creates its own little world. And, uh, but yep. it creates its own range of IP addresses that are isolated potentially from the rest of your network. And then you run into this sort of problem. So, And a bridge really is kind of, uh, although it's dumb, and I'll say it's dumb, but that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. A bridge is where you're eliminating intelligence from the device because you don't want it to be intelligence. You want to be like, no, don't do, and don't try to be smart. Don't try to assign IP addresses. Don't try to do this or that. Just let it flow or let it go. Let it go. <laughs> if we're gonna... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm not going to sing the song because I'm going to have people shaking their fists right and left at me, but I'm... <laughs> it's hard not to though, isn't it? And I can't sing the song either. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sing it well, but, um, but yeah, the problem is when you have multiple devices trying to do the same smart thing, that this is what happens. So, so you want to dumb them all down. And again, bridge mode is, is one way or a bit. Yeah. The terminology differs. I'll, I'll agree with you. And yeah. sometimes it's it's hard to find that. It, so. it, this is this scenario, as many of you in the chat room uh, are, are indicating, and of course, folks in the chat room are, are listening live while we record at MacGeekCab.com slash stream or through the uh, MacGeekCab iOS app, which is now available for free. So I encourage you to go get that. In fact, please go get it. And then we'll tip you when it's when it's going to be live. But what a lot of them are saying is is that the term for this is called double NAT. And, and as I said, NAT is network address <laughs> translation. That's what takes one IP address and then creates its own subnet 
uh, of many, many others from that one. And that's what's happening. You're just sort of creating these, these, you're spawning these additional networks and that's not what you want to do. So perfect. Along those same lines, listener Ron writes in and says, uh, I moved to a new domicile. At the former home, I hardwired my Airport Extreme N to my TV, receiver, Airport Express, and 2010 Apple TV with an Ethernet hub with no issues. I tried the same thing in my new residence, but it is not working as expected. I have Comcast and used my Airport Extreme and Bridge mode to set up my network. I hardwired the Airport Express using Ethernet to the Airport Extreme, but every time I tried to set up the network, the Internet stopped working. Previously, I set the Airport uh, Express to extend my internet and it worked. I did some Googling and it was suggested that I try to create a new network and then use the same name as my primary network. But every time I tried that, it failed. I finally retried Wi-Fi and all is well, but it still bugs me that I cannot hardwire the Airport Express. Uh, and he says also my 2010 Apple TV, and I think these two are related. My 2010 Apple TV, which has worked fine until now, simply will not pick up my network, either hardwired or Wi-Fi. I called Apple and they had me restore the Apple TV to default settings, but uh, still no luck. The Apple guy suggested that I called Comcast and ask them to open port one, two, three, which they did without it helping. The Apple TV has worked flawlessly elsewhere. Okay. So a couple of things, um, creating a new network on the express is the right move, but you also need to set that device into bridge mode. When you're in, again, it's the same, that part of it, there's more to this, but that part of it is, is the same as, as the question or the answer that we had for Larry. It needs to create a new network, but it needs to be in bridge mode. And it sounds like it might not be. So that's step one. Um, as a test though, try creating it with a different network name, uh, just so you can really diagnose and say, and know which one you're connecting to. As you're testing, once you get it tested out and it's working, then homogenize the names. And we can actually talk a little bit about network name homogenization. Maybe we will, but, uh, but you can, then you can do that once you're, once you're done, but, but it does help for troubleshooting to have them set uh, differently. So that's, that's step one. When you wire your Apple TV, I'm curious what kind of IP address it's getting and what device you're plugging it into. I think it's, it's suffering from a lot of the same stuff. Um, but here's the thing. You have Comcast and Comcast's current blend of cable modems that are out in the market are combination cable modems and routers. What you're ha what's happening for you here is you have a double NAT scenario. You have your Comcast cable modem, which now is also being a router. So that's step one. And it's then creating a network. And then your airport extreme is set just like it was in your prior home. And it's creating its own network. And so you've got these layers of networking. And that's part of where probably some of your connection problems are, are coming. The best thing to do, and Comcast makes it relatively easy to do this, is to turn off the routing functions in your Comcast modem and just make it a modem. And, uh, and there's, a, there's a link we'll put in the show notes uh, that uh, basically teaches you how to put your Comcast modem into bridge mode. Uh, you just log into it and and do it, and it's it's pretty straightforward, and it it works very well. Um, I've done it on on many modems of family members. Thankfully, I still have a very functional Comcast modem that is not a router, but uh, at some some point, I'm sure I will have one that is because you don't have an option anymore. But I I think that's that's the answer there. Thoughts, John? I think you're right. 
I think so. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's pull up the old, the old schedule here. You know what? Um, you know what I want to do, John, is uh, I want to, I want to, sh- I, w- I want to do something. We did this a couple of shows ago and it met with resounding success. So I want to do all of our sponsors at once here. And, uh, and I think I want to do that now. Are you ready, John? I am ready, my friend. All right. Well, the first sponsor I want to talk about is Smile. Smile has been sponsoring this show, not quite from the very beginning, but basically, uh, certainly from within the first year. And they have never, ever stopped. It has continued unabated ever since probably 10 years now. If that's not a testament to the fact that they love podcasts and specifically this podcast, I don't know what is, but I can tell you because I know the people there, they love podcasts. Well, to share some of that love, they're giving you 20% off of new licenses from now through the middle of October, October 15th, as long as you purchase directly from Smile. That means 20% off of PDF Pen, all-purpose Mac PDF editor. I talk about this thing all the time. I use it to add signatures. I use it to add images to PDFs. I use it to make changes, correct typos on PDFs. It OCRs in my scan documents, exports in Microsoft Word, all of that. That's 20% off. 20% off of PDF Pen Pro, which takes PDF Pen and adds to it the ability to make interactive forms, build table of contents, and convert web pages to PDFs in a very handy way much better than you get with just you know safari or whatever 20 percent off that and of course 20 percent off text expander one of my favorite shortcut utilities in fact today with my wrist being what it is i had to uh well i had to reply to a bunch of emails as we prepped the show i needed to tell people why my replies were going to be short so i typed a little snippet that said hey i hurt my wrist so Apologies for the short reply. Thank goodness for text expander. And I actually put that in the snippet and then I saved the snippet. So all I had to do was comma WR. Boom. That was out there at the beginning. That way I could let all of you know, that's why you were getting shorter than normal replies from me. Check it out. Smilesoftware.com slash geek or use coupon code geek. Yep. That's G E E K at checkout 20% off at smilesoftware.com slash geek for all of the stuff that you're buying there. Second sponsor I want to talk about today is Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G. The folks at Linda have created, well, frankly, they've created something very similar to what we have here. Linda, like us, has a goal of teaching you something new each and every time you visit. Here, we only visit once a week, so you get a few new things, and that's great. But in the middle of the week, what are you going to do? Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G lets you go and learn all kinds of new things with their awesome training videos. These videos are fantastic. It's They have professionals, either staff members at Linda, staff teachers at Linda, I should call it, staff instructors, or people that are experts in their field that also record videos for Linda. And these videos allow you to really dig in and see what's happening right there. It's absolutely outstanding the way that they put all of this together. It just, it blows me away with the care and attention that they put in 
to making sure these things actually teach you what they're supposed to teach you. You want to learn a programming language? You actually get to see examples right there on the screen. You want to learn Final Cut Pro? You get to see someone using Final Cut Pro while they tell you what they're doing. You want to learn management fundamentals? You get to see somebody talking to you about this stuff. There's a human element to it as well. The best part is you can press pause if you want to digest a little bit. Where else can you be in a classroom environment and press pause without both the teacher and your fellow students glaring at you? Linda's where you can do that. LYNDA.com slash MGG gets you 10 free days of all of these training videos. And then once you sign up, it's 25 bucks a month. It's amazing. You got to check it out. It's the future of learning. LYNDA.com slash MGG. Our third sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace.com slash MGG. There's a pattern here. The best part about Squarespace is that you get to create and host your website in one spot and you do it all in your web browser. You visit squarespace.com slash MGG and you start building by selecting a template. And the cool thing is their templates are built for all different purposes. You kind of narrow down and then pick a design that you like. And then you just start editing their controls are really easy to use, very intuitive. You're already used to being in a web browser because you live in one all day. And so you really get to just tweak things. They've also built their templates to be what's called responsive. And what that means is they adjust themselves on the fly. So you get to see the right website when you're on a Mac or on a PC or on any kind of desktop. And then as the window gets smaller, it looks good on an iPad. And then as the window gets smaller still, it looks good on an iPhone. This happens all behind the scenes. You don't have to worry about it. They already have. They spend months building these templates. Really professional. And the best part is you can pull in your data. So like I wanted my DaveTheNerd.com blog in there. Now I know how to build a website. I know how to build a content management system. I built the first one that we used at Mac Observer. Doesn't mean I want to build and maintain one today though. And Squarespace is, is awesome. But I didn't start with Squarespace. I started with WordPress and hosted it myself because I know how to host. I didn't want to do that anymore either. So I moved everything in and it slurped in all my WordPress data. It was awesome. Really simple, really beautiful. You got to check it out. Squarespace.com slash MGG. And here's the deal. Plans start at eight bucks a month. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain. You want to sign up for a year. There's no question about that. You definitely want to just, you know, you don't want to change your website every month. You don't want to change who you host with. You don't want to change your design every month. And if you do, Squarespace has more, uh, more forms and more, uh, more templates for you. So check it out. Eight bucks a month, free domain. Here's the thing. You can save 10% off of that with coupon code MGG. Check it all out. Squarespace.com slash MGG. Thanks to Squarespace. Thanks to Linda. And thanks to Smile for being our sponsors of this episode. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting them and for them for supporting us. I think it's time to go to Brian. What do you think, John? You ready? You do? I do. Well, if you do, I do. Sweet. Brian has, I don't know if a problem, but we'll help him out. So Brian writes and says, I'm running into Gmail. Well, no, he has a problem. Okay. So Brian says, I'm running into Gmail problems with mail app. That being the mail app, the mail application in OS 10. 
that started when I upgraded to Yosemite. Well, you're not the only one. <laughs> I either have the wrong configuration in Gmail or in Mail.app. Or Mail.app is not the best software client for running Gmail. You think? I think. Um, <laughs> what is the Gmail configuration to Google and on the Mail app in Yosemite? I think I'll answer that. Um, is there a better client to use instead of Mail app? And what, if anything, do I lose? I don't use iCloud, so that's not an issue. I use Mail app for my personal Gmail and work Gmail for my EDU accounts. <sighs> so my advice, Dave, is as follows. So first, if you are using OS X Mail to access Gmail, here's what I do. And this is what I do, Dave, and I'm not running into any problems. So uh, if you go to System Preferences, Internet Accounts, and then you click on the little plus sign, it'll ask you, hey, what service do you want to set up here? And this is how I'm set up, Dave. I don't know if it, it, it's how you're set up, but this is how I'm set up. And at least for the, the Google that I use, which at this point now I don't use Google for personal stuff, but I do. So you and I still use it for Gmail. I, I'm sorry, for MacGab as a conduit. Um, so I would say rather than a generic IMAP, IMAP account, I would choose Google in the list of account types. And once you enter your username, password and stuff like that, it'll say, OK, what services would you like to enable for this Google account that you have? Mm. And you can click on mail uh, and there's a few others so for most services. You can click on mail. I think there's, you know, notes, calendars, stuff like that. So my suggestion is make sure that if, if you are going to set up a Gmail account with uh, under OS 10, that that's the way that you do it. Um, I don't have anything, Dave, proving that that is better than setting up a generic email account. And it sounds like you're you're chomping at the bit to tell me maybe yeah. what I said is not right. But uh, it, it works for me uh, but for, for our Mac Geek app accounts that are on Gmail. Yeah, I have them both set up under OS 10 um, as Google accounts. And that that seems to work for me. So that's one piece of advice. But um, it sounds like you want to you interject and then then hand it back to me because I we have another thread. OK, yeah. So. I, you know, I haven't done that. I actually, my Mac is set up that way. In fact, if you try to set it up as an IMAP account, it will bounce it around to being a Gmail account anyway on the Mac. This oh, is right. Yep. Uh, so I don't think it matters. In fact, I I'm, I'm looking at this right now because I know that I've set all my Macs up with it as, as Gmail or as, as uh, you know, IMAP. As a Google, cl uh, really? Yeah. Okay. But So uh, when you went through the setup, you, you didn't specify Google, but you went further. Yes. Because at least in the internet account section of, of um, system preferences, you get a choice. You can say, yeah. I want to set up a Google account, or it says other, and then you can say, okay, I want to set up a IMAP account. Yeah, so I set mine up as IMAP because, hmm. because it used to be better that way, but now... I'm looking at all of my accounts and every one of them is a Google account. So yeah, yeah. It doesn't make a difference here on iOS. It still does make a difference. Um, I, and I do it as a separate IMAP account solely because if you do it as a Google account on iOS, you cannot have multiple from addresses. Whereas if you do it as a, uh, a regular IMAP account, you can, and I don't know why that limitation exists. It's not a Google limitation. It's, it's just, the, that path in iOS, but um, 
either way, it, it's actually the same on, on OS 10 mail. It's still connecting over IMAP. There's no difference. And if you look in, uh, I guess it's details there. No, it's not details there. If you go into mail and look in the preferences at your accounts, you will see that it's connecting to Google's IMAP servers uh, of, you know, imap.gmail.com. It does not let you change them though. And here's, here's something interesting uh, that I've noticed on iOS. And I think we've talked about this before. When it start, when iOS starts complaining that it can't log into your Google account or it's not getting anything from your account, you can change the IMAP server from imap.gmail.com to imap.googlemail.com. And it will actually use, it'll, it'll usually check mail better because it's an iOS caching issue. So there you go. It's all crazy. I don't know. Okay. So, so the headline. <laughs> yes. Of what you said. I mean, uh, it, it is setting up as. It doesn't make a difference. It, okay. So what I said makes no difference. Right. Right. Well, that makes me sad, my friend. But yeah. I'm still going to offer it as advice. <laughs> well, the nice part about it is if there is ever a change to, you know, the, the, the right way to do SSL and the right port to do SSL and all of that stuff, right. right you're going to inherit that change from, from Apple's defaults. So it's not, it's not a terrible way to do it. And like I said, I don't think you could get away with doing it the other way, unless maybe you used imap.googlemail.com. That might work. Right. Yeah. Okay. I so, do I do have one recommendation though. Uh and some people may not like this, but uh-oh. turn off the all mail mailbox in Google's IMAP. Were you going to go there? I really think you still have to do that? Oh, no, yeah. no. I I wasn't, but I would you know, I actually was going to ask you, or actually I wasn't, but now that you bring it up, that was a recommendation and I I think you you wrote an article actually a number of years ago. Yeah. Suggesting Especially because I don't think the problem came up in Yosemite. I think it came up in Mavericks, right? I mean, it came up in in a a couple of versions ago where if you had a certain feature enabled, yeah, uh, again, what what was it? Um, So, yeah, what Google, it's called all mail. If if all mail was enabled, it caused a train wreck in Apple Mail because it just didn't understand how to deal with it. It would re download. All your email. Well, that's the problem. Like, could take days or your all, the all <laughs> it was mail, terrible. The all mailbox. The way Google create IMAP is supposed to be a way for a client to sync up with a server and have the same data in both places. So you can have a folder of you know called uh, uh, active clients, a folder called. Uh, you know, uh, family stuff and anything you put into that folder from any client will get synced around, but it's a, each folder is discrete, right? So they, they are, if you have a message in one folder and you put it in another, it is a move. So if you move something from active clients to family, it now is in family, but not in active clients. That's the way IMAP works. Gmail does not work that way. Gmail has labels. It does not have folders. So you can have things in multiple folders or multiple labels and all mail is simply a label that is to show you all of your mail. But the problem is it also applies to IMAP. So when you sync up with the IMAP thing, you get 
the stuff in your inbox that's in your inbox. You get the stuff that's in active clients that's in your active clients folder slash label. You get the stuff that's in family that's in your family folder slash label. And then you get all of it again in all mail. And that's where it gets really ugly because it, you start getting well, we saw that. copies see, of messages. Yeah. 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 You would, I would see the same message two, three, four. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah I tested crazy. this with uh, not the latest 10, 10, five version of Yosemite, but I, I did test it. I don't know. I want to say you know, six months ago just to see, cause I thought, cause there was some iOS mail client that desperately wanted all mail enabled. And so I thought, well, let me see, maybe it's okay. And I turned it back on and it was just a train wreck on OS 10 again. So I just turned it off and you do this, you go into Gmail on the web, you go into settings, you go into folders and I'm not there right now. So my apologies for hacking through this, but uh, there is a little box uh, checkbox. So you go into settings and you go into labels and then there's a box, a checkbox next to every label that says show in IMAP. And for all mail, I just have it unchecked and then, and then everything's all right. Unless you all have right. a client on iOS that needs it and then uh, it's not okay. And you got to turn it on and live with whatever happens in mail. So, so I throw it back to you. Thank you. And I caught it. <laughs> um, Thread number two is, hey, could I run a different application? And I offered, Dave, um, an application that the good folks at Dropbox actually alerted both me and you about. And I gave it a run. Uh, I, I don't use it too often, but, you know, I have it installed. Um, but it's called Mailbox App. And you can get it at www.mailboxapp.com. It's a company that I think Dropbox actually acquired. Mm -hmm. So I suggested you may want to look at that. Then I was almost wishing I took that back huh. in that. I don't know. Uh, no, seriously. And I wrote the Dropbox people. I'm waiting for them to get back to me. I, uh, Dropbox. I love you guys, but um, I, I'm questioning their commitment to this app. So number one, well, they, they just it, released a new beta like two weeks ago of Mailbox. They did. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so for the longest time, it was at point three and all of a sudden it jumped to point seven. Yep. On OS 10. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's more mature on, uh, non OS 10, like uh, iOS and Android, I guess they offer it. Okay. So the thing is that it, it's still officially in beta status, but the thing is this is a OS 10 email client that will interact with the, as far as I can tell their, their audience is Gmail and, um, iCloud or dot Mac people that, that those are the types of accounts that this particular email client deals with. And the last time I ran it, it, it seemed to do a pretty good job. Now, uh, some of my fish shakes and, I sent a support email to them. So number one, um, if you go to their site, it downloads the 0.3 version. If you run it, it says, hey, there's a download to update. And I'm like, great. I want to go to 0.7. And it says, sorry, there's a signature error. Can't update. I'm like, are you oh, kidding me? Really? Yeah. And I wrote them about this. And, and a number of people have, have shaken their fist at them. The thing is, you I don't can know, man. get the 0.7 version from Mac update or no. multiple other third party sites. Hang, but I don't down. know why stop, you can't stop because that's not true anymore. As of today, I, I downloaded it when we were prepping the show and I just tried it again. And if you go to mailboxapp.com and choose download, you get the 0.7.4 version. So obviously they saw my email that's and right. updated their site. That's right. Well, thank you, Dropbox, for listening to me. Yeah, no, that's all <laughs> fixed. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, seriously, dude. Like two days ago, you. when yep. I tried to download it from their site, it was point three, and I'm like, guys, I, I I wrote them. I was being snarky. I'm like, are are you even paying attention to this product or this beta? And and obviously they are. Thank you very much. So yep, hats off Dropbox. You're so good. they're making an effort to write a third party email client that will handle um, iCloud and Gmail. So that's my suggestion. But I'm curious, Dave. All right, so now that we're, we're convinced Mailbox app is back in the running, oh, yeah, or at least they're paying attention. Um, when I went to the App Store, I saw some candidates that were free, some pay for. I, I, I think I saw the, the one that jumped out at me was, was something called Mailplane, which I don't know yep. if it's a full client. It's more, uh, or maybe it is. I, I don't know, but, I, but I'm, I'm actually curious I believe you have something to say about this, but third-party Gmail clients, what's your take on this versus Mailbox app? You mean versus uh, Mail.app? Mailbox is third. Well, the one that we just talked about. Yeah, well, Mailbox is third-party too, right? I mean... I understand, but are you you aware of any other Mac OS X email clients that work with Gmail that are worthy? Well, there's Outlook, from Microsoft, and and that's actually oh. yeah, people okay. actually kind of like that. Um, so yeah, there are. But here's the thing, uh, and there's AirMail as well, right? Uh, okay. for, for Gmail. So yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, here's the problem that I have. If you like the features, it, all of these are going to be relatively simplistic compared to what Apple's Mail app can do. Now, that may be a good thing, right? You may like that. But you got to go into these knowing that they're going to be very, they almost all feel like iOS apps in that they're, you know, single purpose apps. And if all you're doing is, you know, checking your email and archiving it and checking it and archiving it, you're probably going to be happy if that's all you want to do. But mail app for OS X is extensible meaning there's a plugin architecture now it's not really well documented by apple and kind of have to you know you got to know what you're doing to program for it but there are people that do and so things like mail act on and mail tags and signature profiler and all of these other great add-ons to mail that really make it shine are not available for all of these other third-party clients so and also you know Apple develops mail, obviously. And it's pretty good. I know we like to complain about it, but if you use the right plugins, you can really make it work well for you because Apple continues to develop mail. And it is a, what I would call a full featured mail client. It doesn't leave a whole lot of room for people to make money selling a third party mail client. And we've seen it happen time and again. And, and, you know, mailbox, app is a a perfect example of this where somebody built something. It was the new hotness for a little while. Everybody got excited about it, but there's not enough interest. There's not critical mass to, to support the development of it. Now, Dropbox acquired it, right? It wasn't Dropbox's initially, but they acquired it. And I think I might have that wrong. I'll blame the pain meds if so. Uh, But you know, but even they are sort of ignoring it because it's not this thing that there's enough people using. So my feeling is I don't want to change mail apps every year. I I can, I've learned to deal with mail. I, there's a couple of plugins and I've mentioned a few of them. In fact, those are basically it. 
you know, uh, GPG mail is the other one. So GPG mail signature profiler <gasps> and mail act on are the three that I really, that those I use and they, especially GPG mail, not so much, but signature profiler mail act on totally revolutionized my world inside mail. And I like it. And I have a reasonable expectation that the app that I currently use today is going to work in El Capitan because guess what? It's made by Apple. So that's where I Wait, continue. What did, what did, you, what, did you say El Capitan? Yeah, I did. Not El Capitan. That's right. The mountain did, is did El Capitan. Did you uh, check your mail? <laughs> the, the, the mountain in the Yosemite Park is El Capitan. E-L space C-A-P-I-T-A with an accent N. Right. Right. So, and, and Apple said they named uh, OS 10, 10.11 after the mountain inside Yosemite. So I'm assuming it's El Capitan. Not tan. Not tan. 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 That's how it's, that's how it's pronounced. You think? I do. That's why I said it. That is what I think. (laughs) Do you think differently? No, I've had it brought to my attention. There is a uh, uh, controversy as to how that's pronounced. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> and and wait, you going to talk more about it or are you just going to let that linger out here? Hold on. Okay. My, uh... oh, he went, he went somewhere, folks. This has gotten very, very serious. I, I, I know he's away from the mic. We all know you're away from the mic. It's, it's okay. All right. No, I got to know from my good, uh, our good friend, Allison Sheridan. Okay. Who does the uh, No Solo Cast podcast. Yeah. yeah and she says that these crazy Californians say El Capi Tan. Okay. Well, the crazy Texans and, say- and And if you look, and if you look at- and, and and if you look at the video, because I referred to it, so I was joking with her and I sure. said, Craig also said it wrong. The thing is, Craig also says, all right, Craig, uh, uh, Federer, uh, I can't pronounce. Yeah. Craig also said tan. So I'm, I'm just offering that for reference. Okay? Well, when I lived in Austin. So both Allison, I, I understand that. All no, no, I'm no, saying I, is that I'm both sh- Allison, gonna... California and Craig all say it wrong because they say tan. Sure. So when I lived in Austin, uh, obviously it's close to Mexico. Um, in fact, there's a rich history of, of, of um, there, there being, you know, lots of, of uh, Spanish influence and Mexican influence there. In, oh, of course. In, in Texas, uh, there are streets in Austin that happen to be named after uh, Spanish names or words or Mexican. It depends, you know, Mexican places or whatever. Uh, there is one street. It is spelled S-A-N space J-A-C-I-N-T-O. Uh, San Jacinto is 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 the name of that uh, particular uh, person, saint. Everybody in Austin calls that street San Jacinto. Guadalupe is another street. What do they call it in Austin? Guadalupe. Are they correct in Austin? No. Is that what everybody calls it? Because that's what everybody calls it. Yes. But it is an incorrect pronunciation. That's all. I get it. The, the, yeah. the thing that strikes me. And in the final conversation, so I was joking around with uh, the, to me, it doesn't matter as long as you understand what people are talking about. But the thing is, yeah, um, the one thing I wrote back to her once I researched it on the Wikipedia's is there is an accent on the A 
that actually suggests a non-standard. Uh, so it's El Capitan because there's an accent on the A, but the only place you're going to see that accent is if you go to the Wikipedia article right? for that mountain. You will not see it. And actually somebody wrote me saying, have you seen it on any street signs? And no, no signs. So the thing is, to me, if you understand what, what I'm talking about, the pronunciation doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> but Allison That's still true. wrote me and said, hey, uh, as a Californian, uh, and because Craig said it this way, and guys, watch the video of, of the event. They say tan. That, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I'm going to say if it's right or wrong. As long as we all understand that this is the next version of OS 10, I'm good. Right. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I'm probably going to say it wrong, just like you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the right way to pronounce it, though, regardless of whether the Californians tan choose tan. tan. All right. Well, uh, check your email. Talk to Allison. I, yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I saw the email. I mean, I, I saw your Facebook post or whatever it was. But it, you know, yeah, yeah, it, I, it's fine. I'm enough. I'm okay this. with it. Enough I, about I took Spanish in, in high school, so you know, I'm pretty sure yeah. that's the right way to pronounce uh, it. Uh, it. Unless there's an accent on the A, and that that was, that was the thing that, that kind of swayed me. Yeah. No, no, the accent on the A changes the accent so instead of it being el capitan it's el capitan that's what the accent means is the it it is an right. accent it doesn't change the sound it changes the accent so el it's not el capitan right. it's el capitan because of the accent okay all right don't cough i get it oh, sorry <laughs> okay, <kidding>. don't. <laughs> i didn't start this one <laughs> uh... I comprendo Espanol or uh, hablo Espanol, eh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Away from that. We, we got to get to solving people's problems. We have a Spanish teacher in the, uh, in the chat room, uh, Brett. Uh -oh. and, and he, oh, he, no. he confirmed my, uh, my pronunciations. Really? Yeah. So, so it, Apple is getting it wrong. That that's good to know. Well, in that all of California is getting it wrong. It sounds like. I mean, I don't, but I don't want to lump everybody in California just because Craig Federighi and Allison Sheridan are wrong. I mean, it's, well, it's just like, again, I bring back the people in Austin. You know, San Jacinto is not the right way to pronounce that, that particular name, but it's what they all do. It's okay. Just don't start yelling at the people in Mexico for pronouncing it wrong. And that's kind of right. what's happening here. Yeah. And I'm going right. to wrap up with saying, Dave, do you know the way to San Jose? And, and with that yeah, that's right that's the baja marimba <laughs> band man <laughs> all right so what do you got next on the agenda here so um you're gonna take yeah, us to mark boy did that was just a tangent there so mark has questions in a virtual world and i'm gonna give you my advice dave okay you may agree or not agree but sure so basically mark wrote in and said dave john and pp which i think is pilot pete who is no doubt piloting and peeing somewhere. I have a Windows laptop that I've been keeping alive to run apps. Do you have a preference for Parallels or VMware or some other choice to run Windows apps on the Mac? I have a mid-2009 17-inch MacBook Pro with 8 gigs of RAM running 10.10.5. And Dave, my response is as follows. My initial suggestion would be to give the free, and I believe open source, though even if it isn't, free virtual box product to try and you can go to www.virtualbox.org and the reason i 
suggest this is because these guys are on the ball. If you go to their site, they have just made a major upgrade to version 5.0. And I'll agree, it's not, uh, VirtualBox does not allow quite the level of fine-grained control over the virtual machine that Parallels and VMware does have or offer additional goodies, which the other guys do, like antivirus and some other additional software that come with the bundle, they do provide, I, I would say, good basic uh, emulation, in my experience. The only caveat I would have is that in the past, when I have tried to use it, especially in a corporate environment, sometimes it doesn't quite grok some oddball, non-standard USB devices, like the ones that I was working on. There were new products, which... Probably isn't a big surprise, but for standard things, yes. Um, the one plus I will give VirtualBox, Dave, is that we had a prior discussion and that VirtualBox, unlike some other virtual machine products, will allow you to run older versions of OS X within a virtual machine and not yell at you saying you're violating the license agreement, which Seriously? as you and I think agree, Dave, um, I believe that the interpretation of the license agreement um, that VMware and Parallels uh, imposes on people, I, I believe, and, and I believe you backed me up on this, is flawed. And that you can, right. in fact, yep. legally run uh, OS X within a virtual machine and, and not break the law and have the Apple software cops uh, uh, well, so after current, you. Current versions, so everything from uh, certainly Yosemite and Mavericks and I believe Lion uh, are... are there is no question that that is legal mm -hmm. and, and things like, like, uh, um, you know, VMware's fusion or, or parallels will run those, but it's snow leopard. That's the question. Right. And so what, and, and they won't right. pa parallels and, and VMware fusion will not run snow leopard because it'll just come up. It will run it. If you can convince it not to, uh, you know, look at the version. Hack and, it, yeah, right. you, yeah. There used to be ways to hack it. I don't know if there still are. I think I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there are. I just haven't found them. But uh, if you know about them, let us know. Uh, but you're saying VirtualBox will run Snow Leopard without yelling at you. Is that right? Correct, because they uh, they do not put what I view as an artificial block. That's great. On, so it's on up to you. It. It's up to you to be responsible with whatever license Correct. you have. That's perfect. Right. So, so the other companies, um, they take it upon themselves to enforce what they believe the license agreement says. As well, they have a relationship with Apple Dave. and they want to preserve that. Yeah, I, I get mean, that. I get it. Yeah. Right. yeah. And that's good. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're fine products, but both parallels and, and uh, to close it out though, um, that being said, Dave, I personally, at this point in time, I run parallels. I'll okay. tell you why. Yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's because, Dave, the media events that both you and I go to, the thing is, the Parallels people are wonderful about giving me, and I'm going to be honest here, giving sure. me a free, uh, a free license to their current product. They're awesome. I mean, whenever I see them at, at the thing, you know, Pepcom or whatever, they're awesome. They're like, hey, you want a license for the latest one? And I'm like, sure. Sure. And I run it, and it works for me, and I'm running. Uh, so right now, currently, Dave, I'm running Windows XP. Windows 7 and Windows 10 under Parallels 10, not yep. 11, but 10. Yep. And uh, there is a little hitch, but all I got to say, and this is just, again, me personally, um, I'm for what I need to do with Windows, which includes development work. So I went sure. to Visual Studio to check out the latest version. Uh, Parallels uh, 
totally meets my needs. I'm, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with VMware. Yeah. And I don't know about, and, and actually I want to hand it to you. I mean, my most recent experience with a commercial VM product is Parallels. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Parallels. Yeah, I, um, so I, I, and, and to your point, you're right that the folks at Parallels are great about interfacing with the press. The folks at VMware are also excellent about interfacing with the press. I don't know why you haven't run into people that are happy. I just, to, uh, yeah, to I haven't run you, into them. You just so, haven't, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, and so I have both. Um, Jim Tannis just put up some, uh, at, at tech review, which is MGG Jim. He helps us out quite a bit here as well. Uh, he put up some, some notes about VMware fusion benchmarks, I guess just last week. Right. So uh, those are worth checking out. I, I don't do anything with any of these uh, packages that would make it so that the performance of one in terms of, of like CPU performance or graphics performance or game performance would make any difference to me. And in fact, I probably could run uh, VirtualBox and also not be impacted by its performance. And, and I don't think there's any question that if you're going to start pushing the limits, VirtualBox is the first one to kind of fall off the map. Um, but uh, yeah, I, sure. today uh, I ran, I, so I got my x-ray CD from the, uh, from the, uh, the, the clinic, you know, where I got my x-rays done and it has a, it has these x-ray images in this like special doctor's office format or whatever, but it comes with a viewer and it's a Ooh, Java. Dicom. Viewer. Yeah. Dicom. Yeah. Ah, okay. It's we a have a friend online who I'm going to maybe hand you off to. Okay. Who, that, that's what he, he works for GE medical system. Ah. So uh, yeah, so the, DICOM, DICOM is a specialized medical system uh, format, but please, I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. And and so there is a viewer baked into this CD and there's a there's the it's the Windows version and the Mac version. It's both. They're both Java based and I can get it to launch on the Mac, but it will never reliably actually show me the image. It'll just, you know, launch the software and sort of let me navigate around, but I can't ever see the image. So I, I just launched it in, in Windows and then I could see them there. And then I exported them, which I actually probably could have exported from the Mac uh, build. So I had to run that this morning and I just ran, actually, I ran an old copy of XP inside, uh, inside VMware and it was fine. That's, that's <laughs> which, yeah. which, of course, running XP today, mm-hmm. it's like, what are you, nuts? Why? Because that's... Well, it's totally deprecated. I know. I mean, I know. It's, it's, it it's, functioned, man. It was it was perfect. I didn't want. Well, like I told you, you I, I I I still the, the thing is they still offer the malware update. So when I run XP, it'll be like, yep, we still have the malware update, but but they're not making any, as far as I I know, security or other updates. Yeah. Windows Seven that that's reaching end of life, and then and then again, yeah. like uh, both you and I, I don't know about you, but I you know I I actually ran my Windows Seven installation, and it said. At some point, I had to coerce it, but it's like, oh yeah, you're eligible for the uh, 10 upgrade. You right. want that? Right. So I actually copied my virtual disk file. So I want to maintain the 7 environment. Sure. But I'm like, but I also want the 10. And eventually, it got to the point where it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll upgrade you because Microsoft will do this for you because they want to. Yeah, they want you. Yeah, on the Windows one. 10. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, I'll run it. Yeah, my humble great. opinion, uh, uh, nutshell review here, Windows 10 seems to be the new shiny UI, but I'm not feeling <laughs> that there's a lot changing underneath the covers. <laughs> Maybe it's just the UI UX, uh, the, which uh, for the uninitiated is user interface slash user experience. Right. But I'm not, 
it wasn't like I ran Windows 10 and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's all these absolutely, you know, groundbreaking new features. And hey, Microsoft, if, if you got if you got some, let me know. <laughs> cool. Let me and Dave know. I I, I, yeah. I love Microsoft. I like Microsoft. Yeah, I don't sure. Hate them? No, I don't. I don't hey. either. They make good stuff. Hey, they keep, some some they good keep stuff. Us in business, right? Right. Hey, <laughs> dude, I always said the first house I bought was you know mostly thanks to Windows ninety five. So uh, and, and yeah, and the consulting revenue I generated from uh, from helping people <laughs> use it. You know, so it was good. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's jump on to Kaz, shall we? Let's see if we can get a couple more questions in before we have to wrap this one up. Kaz, uh, well, Kaz has a lot of questions, and really, what's going on is he says uh, Apple had a recall on the hard drives in some of these 2009 27-inch iMacs for which mine qualified. I took it to the Genius Bar for replacement, but I tried to upgrade from a one terabyte to a two terabyte. But Apple's replacement program, of course, only allows like for like. So I took it to a certified third party. Everything has been flawless until now. I was in the middle of an iPhone backup using iMazing when I heard a terrible scratching sound coming from my Mac. I love the iMazing product, which I purchased after listening to your shows. However, is there any way that the software could have caused the crash? I say this because I recall hearing about the same sound a month ago when doing another backup with iMazing. Fortunately for me, I performed daily backups using SuperDuper. So when the hard drive crashed, I was able to boot up using the backup. My question is, should I purchase a new hard drive and replace the internal drive? Should I purchase a hybrid SSD slash hard drive? Should I purchase an SSD and buy a new hard drive? Or should I buy a new iMac given the age of my existing one? And then we got a follow-up email, uh, I don't know, about a day later, I guess, saying, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get a 5K Retina 27-inch, but I'm confused about which hard drive to get with it. And should I get the Fusion drive, the 3 terabyte Fusion drive, or should I get a 256 gig SSD and then an external drive? So lots of questions. Mm. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I think, in order. Amazing, uh, in terms of the backups and the scratching sound you were hearing and all that, Amazing wouldn't cause the issue. Really, its backup process is is no no different than iTunes backup process. But it is a process where you are writing and parsing and updating lots and lots of little files on the disk. So it's constantly going back and forth, writing to the uh, file system directory and then writing the actual file out and back and forth. So if you were to be having a problem with your drive, a process like that would exacerbate it for sure. Your super duper backups would probably, you know, kind of do something similar because they're just scanning everything and, and, you know, crunching through a lot of stuff. So, so yeah, it, it makes sense that, that that would be the kind of thing that where, you know, if you were on the edge of having a problem, that's going to bring it right to the surface. Now, uh, as far as replacing your computer and which hard drive to get, I still, and, and I, and I'm, I'm beginning to, or not beginning, I've come to realize that this is uh, an irrational fear nowadays, but I, I still am averse to the fusion drives, I, there, but there's no good reason for me to be averse to it. We get a lot of questions in here, a lot of problem reports, and I really can count on certainly one hand and maybe even one finger, the number of fusion drive, you know, disasters that we've heard of that are disasters because of the fusion drive. Now, maybe that's because everybody that listens to this show backs up. But guess what? So do you, Kaz. So you're in good shape there. I think you're all right with the Fusion Drive. The only reason 
to go with a split setup, which of course you can do if you get a fusion drive. You can break it and use it as separate disks. But the only reason to go with the fusion drive or the non-fusion drive is to maximize and control your performance, right? If you know what things you're putting on the SSD versus what you're putting on the spindle drive, you're going to be able to really kind of tweak and control that. And I, I do enjoy that process on my IMAX. Uh, in fact, on this one and also on, on the one down in my office, I've got, I've got them separated. The one in my office, I have a 512 gig SSD and that's more than enough for the system and all my apps and everything. And then I store my photos and my music and all my movies and, you know, all of that stuff, like my iMovies and stuff on a, an external drive that I have attached. That's plenty fast in and of itself. So, you know, I think it's personal preference at this point, but I, I don't have any technical reasons uh, to advise against the fusion drive at this point. What do you think, John? <sighs> Hello. Hi. Uh, I'm no, I'm here. I'm just starting yeah. trying to ponder my response and, and make it sound like it's not crazy talk, but I'd much rather prefer to manage my own. Sure. Uh, integration uh, or, or separation of SSD and rotational drives. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I'm, uh, I've not we're, used we're a fusion drive. Um, some uh, we've had maybe one. I think we've had one question yeah. and, and we kind of addressed it in the past in passing. But we've had one person saying, yeah, I kind of saw some weird stuff in disutility and I think my fusion drive is broken. And I think it was. And there's a potential for things to get out of sync between the SSD and the rotational drive. Um, and your fusion drive can be broken. Um, and you may have to go to disutility or maybe even dig deeper to decouple them and then get disutility or the OS to recouple them. Right. So that's the only thing I'll say about that. Um, but it's so, I mean, I think it's so rare. But you're right. That was yeah. sort of the initial fear of it is like, whoa. Yeah. Like I said, there's yeah. one situation. You got it. Yeah. In all the listeners, uh, you know, among the five or 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just kidding. Kind of being like hard talk. They're like, yeah, of the 10 people listening to this show. That's I right. We have on the, yeah, I think we have probably a few more than that, but um, yeah, we, we, we've only had some in, days in it's six figures. Yeah. To the that's what I hear. Yeah. Someday. Not in base 10. Which yes, is uh, that's right. Which is pretty awesome. Thank you it, so much. It really is, for actually. All of you. Yeah, we are honored. Awesome. We are humbled. But um, yeah, I think uh, uh, again, I I can recall, I can count on one hand the number of people that have wrote in saying I have a problem with my fusion drive. For me, it's not for me, but that's right. just me. So. Yeah, exactly. All right, I want to uh, I want to jump to Terry here. Uh, because this was an interesting really? thing that I learned about. Yeah. So Ari, Terry, I don't know where Ari is, but Terry said, I set a restriction passcode in settings, general restrictions on my son's iPad. And now I want to remove mm -hmm. it, but I can't remember what I set the four digit code to be. I could restore the iPad as a new iPad without the backup, but I want to avoid that if I can. Of course. Can I use iMazing to dig out the passcode or is there any other way? Uh, and then he's got a second question, which we'll address here. So I started looking into this and I can't find a way in iMazing to, to do it. There might very well be because there is a way to do this. Uh, if you have backed up the iPad to your Mac, you can look in library 
application support, app store, and then adoption.plist. And in there, the code will live in raw text. So I've, really? uh, yeah, I've, I've found an Apple support discussion article. Wow. So-and-so that I'll put a that link. That actually kind of concerns me. That, yeah. That's like, that's actually, well, it's good for our listener, but it's kind of bad from a security standpoint. Exactly. Well, remember, <laughs> this isn't as much security as it is like parental. I mean, it, it could be used as security, but it's not. Okay. Right. Okay. It's, it's not, it, it's not security. No one's saying this is protecting your data. This is protecting someone else, presumably from getting. Okay. That. Service access. Service oh, access. I get yeah. 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 Okay. Um, However, I also found a YouTube video that explains the very simple process of using an app called iPhone Backup Extractor to get this. And it even has a menu item to pull out this uh, this passcode. So that's you can dig into the file if you want to do it or you can just uh, or you can just go get it, you know, with this. app. Uh, yeah. And no doubt the kids these days. Are, are certainly aware of this and use it to access the uh, the sexy time or whatever. Whatever the, it is. The, yeah, I think it's more... What, yeah. Whatever they're trying whatever to get at is, that you don't right. want them to get at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I can't even imagine... I, I mean, I have to imagine this because I have, I have teenage kids. But, I mean, what it would have been like at, at you know, 13, 14, 15 with access to everything on the internet. I mean, you and I had access to more than most people did simply because we were like, you quite know, quite pixelated, but yeah, exactly. Well, if, yeah, if you're talking about <laughs> graphics and stuff, but I'm just talking about like just data in general, it's outstanding. The amount of data that, that, I mean, it's everything and our kids have them in their pockets. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's scary raising kids right now. It's, it's interesting. It know. is because they, you know, it's funny because I'm not a parent, Dave. Obviously, you are, and sure. you have the most, I won't say toxic, but no, no I'm going to say challenging environment. And you have teenage, you have two teenage kids, right? Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I don't even know how you deal because. I'll tell you talking, how we deal. You're talking walking bags of raging hormones yeah. and, and, and irrational behavior on a daily basis. And, and sometimes you love them to death and sometimes you want to throw them out the window. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Did I get that kind of right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. But you know, the thing is the way we deal with it is that we started dealing with it decades ago in the, Oh, as far as the content every, uh, issue. Ev well, no, just the or internet issue or no. Or, okay. Go. Yeah. It, every, every subject imaginable is on the table for discussion. And that's almost a literal thing. It you know, it usually comes up at the dinner table. And I mean, we've had weird, weird discussions, things, m topics that <laughs> would actually cause me to have to set this show to probably be explicit, but that's like normal dinner table conversation for us that just weird stuff comes up in the world. And we just talk about it so much so that it's not weird uh, to anybody. So yeah, they're kids. They're going to do all kinds of, they're going to do stupid things. They're going to make mistakes. Of course they are. But, uh, but we talked about it. You know, there's, there's, there's few things, if anything that are hidden. Um, well, that's good. If they have yeah. a channel and I got to say again, I'm not a parent, but if they have a channel, if your kids are not afraid to ask you a question, correct. You know, 
mom or dad, is this all right? Or what does this mean? Or what should I do? Yeah. Then if you got that channel, I, I would say you're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing good. Yeah. Doing I think good. so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, I am going to, I am Uh-oh. going to, uh, what am I going to do here? Press the button. Yeah, I think I am. Because I can hear the audio getting a little clicky and weird, and I don't know if that's just my ears or not. But for well, you, yeah, not yeah, me. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I don't my know. My audio and and you sound marvelous. Well, that's good. But everything's getting a little weird, and I didn't reset the board before we did the show today, and we're also at like the hour and twelve minute mark here, so it's all good. We can, uh, you know, our timestamps are in sync. That's good. That's right. That's but you know right. what else we're in sync with, Dave? I'm almost going to bet 100% that we are in sync on how you, the listener, can get in touch with us. And I'm going to offer that if you want to get in touch with us, Dave, you want to ask a question. You want to give us a compliment. You have a complaint. Cookies, brownies, um, snacks. But I still haven't seen them transpire through the digital channels. And I really would, Dave. But I would say you want to send an email to feedback. At MacGeekGab.com. That's feedback at MacGeekGab.com, I believe, is what you meant to say, of course. And you're right. You can send us anything there. We want to see it all. Uh, I, I blew it, man. I'm sorry. I, I was thinking feedback at MacGeekGab.com, but I, I may not have made that clear. But um, but there there's another way to... Well, there are multiple ways, Dave, and, and I, I, I will let you make the choice. <laughs> premium at MacGeekGab.com is for everybody that's a premium subscriber to the show. Um, and the premium address is one of the perks that you get. You get a uh, little bit of priority. Today was one of those days. So uh, just so you know, folks, uh, if you sent something into feedback and John didn't reply to it, I have not gone through the regular feedback box uh, with everything that's going on with my wrist. I a wanted to type as little as possible. Uh, and thankfully, uh, between what I prepped from the premium box and what John prepped from both, we had more than enough for this show. In fact, we probably got double what we already went through. So, did you make a shortcut? I'm almost certain you made a text expander shortcut. I, yeah, I mentioned it during the spot earlier. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm even away. I, I, I admit I, I walked away, but I ah, saw that because okay. you did that very strategically. That's right. Is that you put the same? Uh, you put the same. Yeah, put the little warning in, in our, yeah, yeah, saying, "Hey, you know, sorry, my my my, my wrist busted." But yeah. I was like, "I'm almost certain Dave is not typing that same text time after time." <laughs> no I'm way. sure <laughs> he has some sort of shortcut. And what better way to implement a shortcut for text than text, text expander. expander? That's right. So I have not gone through the feedback stuff. I will. Uh, I really don't believe my wrist is broken, and and as such, I expect that within the next couple of days, it'll actually be quite a bit better than it is right now. So, uh, but the premium folks did get the nod today. Uh, but most of the time, we do get to we we do go through everything. But there, are, you know, the premium stuff gets uh, gets prioritized. If you want to call us, two zero six 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 Geek is the number to call. And John Geek is four three three five. And I would love. You know, it. I'm going to say, Dave. Go ahead. I'm going to say there's probably another thing you could do for us, Dave. Yeah, I believe it was highlighted. Uh, but you know. I- I would love if it. If you yeah. listen to the show, yeah. if you download it, even if you don't download it, there are multiple ways to listen to us, but well, wait, wait, that's what we the, really love. I, here's what we love is reviews of the Mac Geek Cab app, right? I really want you to download oh. the app, right. 
and review it. We'd love for that to happen because it's free now, right? So you grab your iPhone, download the app, check it out and review it. And we did just push an update. I say we, Corey just pushed an update this week. Thank you, Corey, uh, that fixed that crash on launch issue. It seems like that's the problem with some apps. Uh, and it's not just us, you know, but obviously it happened to us. So, uh, but that, that issue should be sure. fixed. The crash on launch, uh, for some of you. And, uh, it's just one of those things we can't find until it's out there, but please go leave us a review. We'd really, really like it. Um, right there in the iOS app store. So, okay. On the app, On I the was going to say just Thank a you, regular folks. iTunes review. You can do that too. Which helps, which helps us and helps you because the thing is, if you review us on iTunes um, and you look at the iTunes uh, top podcasts or whatever, it helps all of us because it kicks us up there. Uh, it still tickles me, Dave. After all these years, is that when I go to iTunes and I look at the technology podcasts, I see not only us, but uh, a lot of our, you know, friends. Yeah. Like Allison and... Uh, and uh, Adam. Yep. Adam, uh, who else there? Uh, Katie, uh, all them, uh, all, all those people. Yep. Yeah, so people that we've been friends with and colleagues with for years. So if you have anything to say about the podcast, if, if you like what we do, go to iTunes and say, hi. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Uh, I want to thank the folks at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com for hosting the show on all their servers and providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And of course, I want to thank all our sponsors. We had Smile Software at Smile, or Smile at SmileSoftware.com slash geek. Gets you 20% off of all the stuff and Smile Store, all the software there. Linda at lynda.com slash mgg gets you 10 free days of videos. You got to check that out. Squarespace.com slash mgg with coupon code mgg gets you 10% off there. Gazelle. Man, new iPhone's coming tomorrow, most likely. Sell off your old one at Gazelle. Tunnelbear.com slash mgg for your VPN needs. iMazing, we mentioned it during the show. Good stuff. Gotta check it out, imazing.com slash mgg. Otherworld Computing at maxsales.com. Thank them for us, as well as the great folks at Barebones. Folks, have a fantastic week. Have fun watching the Apple event tomorrow. And whatever you do, don't get caught. Made up.